Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Hello and welcome to Oh What A Time, the history podcast that tries to decide if the past was as awful as it seems. I'm Ellis James. I'm Chris Skull. And I'm Tom Crane. And each week on this show we'll be looking at a new historical subject. And today we're going to be discussing parenting. From the very militaristic upbringing offered by Sparta to various coming-of-age ceremonies from throughout history to the sort of healthcare offered to children in 16th century England... Lovely stuff. Welcome back to the show. Look, last last week we launched a brand new feature, One Day Time Machine. Crane, over to you. It is Britain's hottest... No, it is the world's hottest new format point. <laughs> <laughs> Quick course correction there. Exactly. So much so, so much so that we wrote a jingle for it. Fire the jingle. It's the One Day Time Machine. 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 And um, the idea of one day time machine is you can go back to any point in history. You have one day to spend. And what are you going to do with it? Who are you going to see? You know, what's the vibe, basically? And also, what are, the, what are your rules? I think this is such an important aspect of this feature. Yes. What are the rules you're creating for yourself and you, this time machine that you've invented? Yeah. For me, the biggest thing, because if I was going back in time, I'd be scared of getting trapped, poisoned, buried. So how, how are you overcoming those? That's what I want to know. Yes, because last week when we launched the world's hottest new feature, I became uh, very panicked about this. Am I a ghost? Am I a coffee table? Can people hear me? What do I know? So we need to hear your rules. Am I drifting through the time? Now... I've got some uh, some correspondence to come in on this subject. Should we, should we get into them? Let's see what our lovely yes, listeners sent this way. First of all, uh, Joe Horseman has emailed the show to say, Hi guys, I love your podcast and the relationship between you all. It's such a positive podcast that always cheers me up. Oh yeah, that's nice. It's um, just a lie. It's we just a lie. Each other. <laughs> <laughs> Through gritted teeth. <laughs> she has said, Joe Horseman has said, If I had a time machine, I'd go back to the wet market in Wuhan circa December 2019 and destroy any stall selling <laughs> pangolin or bat. <laughs> How would you do that, though? What are you going to do? Like, turn up with is a baseball like, bat and just start G- smashing Jesus everything Jesus in the up? temple flipping over the... Is it like that? <laughs> How are we imagining Joe Horseman going mad Hang in on. Wuhan? 
What did Jesus do in the temple? Well, the he didn't didn't he get the market? market. The market? He flipped all over over all the stands. He was like, "What's going on?" Did he? he? Like, yeah, well, like he was in Led Zeppelin. <laughs> I can't remember exactly what it was. I think it's something to do the effect of <laughs> he flipped over all the tables and said, "What's going on?" <laughs> I so, think he was. You had, a, you had a religious upbringing. How's that? How's this the best you you've made, got? You've made, you've made him sound like a West Ham fan. No offense, Chris. <laughs> What's going on? I, don't, I can't remember on? the exact ins and outs. It was something to do with a farmer's market affecting trade in the high street. I think it was, he was kind of... He was annoyed that this... Oh, no, I don't know. I don't know. Tom, you've made the Bible sound fantastic. <laughs> you've only been over tables and shouted, what's going on? Do you want some? What's going on? That was his catchphrase, wasn't it? What's going on? Do you want some? It's not Jesus' catchphrase. It was what's going on and do you want some? Those, those were the main ones. <laughs> That's when he was talking about wine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah. Well, how would you do it, Chris, if you had to destroy... Because um, my thought is you destroy the first table, the first pangolin stand, and you're immediately arrested. What, what are you doing? You're, not bat- you're battering the pangolins. You're immediately arrested. It's not there. Well, I don't for. think you have to hurt the, the animals, but I think you just need to destroy the, the way. <laughs> I, I would say if you turn if you turn up in Wuhan wet market with a baseball bat, as I like smashing around pangolins, I think you're actually going to do. You know, the spread of COVID may have been far worse. Yep, isn't it? You're going to. It's going to be absolute carnage in there. I don't, I don't even know how you'd go about it. What could you do? I think the best you could do is go back in time and maybe have a strong word with whoever's running. Yes, the I think a strong word is probably that would always be my uh, first choice. George George is better than War War. I am a ghost from three years' time. So you really, really need to believe me, okay? Do you remember Quantum Leap? What's that under your arm? Is that ghost toilet paper? <laughs> so that's Joe. So Joe's gone back to uh, to stop the um, pandemic, which I think is quite a selfless thing. Stephen, Stephen Baker, he's uh, emailed the show with a more classically historical take, but one also made me laugh. He'd go back to the 22nd of November, 1963, which, fact fans, was the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Yeah. But he's made it very clear in the email, not to stop it, but to simply find out what happened and put an end to the speculation. So <laughs> I like the idea. He's gone back and he's in a position where he can stop it and he's gone, no, 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 that's not why I'm here. <laughs> yeah. I'm afraid I'm going to need more detail than that. Where are you going to go? You're going to the Texas Book Depository. Well, he has actually given more detail. If you see Oswald firing the shots, is that going to be enough for you? Is you, are you going to go grassy knoll? Where are you going? I want the detail. I mean, well, that's that's the thing. You have to put on a, a Texan accent and say, well, there are any t- grassy knolls around here. I'm not entirely sure what a grassy knoll is, actually. I, I'm assuming it's kind of a, a grassy bank, but knoll is a Texan. I mean, I'm from Texas myself. I should know. I, I need to do some book depositoring today. <laughs> and then after he shot, the authorities go, well, it was clearly that really weird guy who kept yeah. <laughs> people on a strange accent and... I should briefly butt in here just to say that I do Stephen a disservice. What I read there was a, a strict back version of his email. He's explained oh, okay. that he would fit in by only having 1960s video equipment. And he set it up to film the book depository, the grassy knoll and the motorcade, all the main areas covered in the film that day. And then he basically, yeah. It's like a Hollywood shoot. What's he doing? Is he leaving all those cameras rolling and then running around the place? The Secret Service, their suspicions are surely going to be raised by the fact there's a man setting up about 15 different <laughs> yeah, and also all over the room. <laughs> Who, who, when he's interviewed, slips from a Texan into an English accent and back again. <laughs> that disappears into thin air back to the future. <laughs> so what we've concluded there is that Stephen Baker would go back and immediately be arrested for the assassination of John F. Kennedy. That's what we can, we 
can take from that. Um, our final email that I'm going to read today, because we've had so many on this subject. Thank you so much for getting in contact. I love it. Yeah, we love in. your stuff. We love, we love you getting in contact. Darren Bond um, has got in contact mainly because he's panicked about the dangers of using this one-day time yeah, machine. Uh, uh, yes. uh, he has said, Dear Ellis, Tom and Chris, I seem to spend quite a lot of time thinking about the safety issues around time travel. Now, I'm not talking about the machinery breaking and vaporising you. I mean your survival in whatever era you go to. I think the further back you go, the more you'd stand out, even if you manage to don the, the correct clothes. Um, and as you spoke to people who tried to exist, I can't see any way that they wouldn't believe you were a witch or a spy and shop, shop you to the authorities for, for a hanging or a burning at the stake. In some ways, and I think this is an interesting point, I think it would be our superior knowledge of subjects that have not been researched yet or were shrouded yeah. myth on false wisdom that would get you into the most trouble. You'd have to bite your tongue a lot and keep your head down. I think that's an interesting point, actually. This is why one of my... Okay, I'm going to tell you one of my rules for One Day Time yeah. Machine. I am made of uh, the toughest metallic substance. I look fleshy, but I'm actually impenetrable. My skin cannot be scratched, touched, harmed. I am basically made of metal. I'm. You cannot damage me. You're T-1000. Yeah, I'm a T-1000. But with, a, with a solid form, and I can't be burned, I can't be scratched, stabbed, shot, anything. Like, you can fire a cannonball at me, it'll be absolutely fine. Half an hour in, Chris, and you've, uh, you've got your foot stuck in a cattle grid. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got to stay. You can't die. You've now got to stay there for eternity. How far back do you think you could go and fit in? I reckon I could fit in back to about 1994. What? You're not turning up in 93. Who the fuck is this space age wizard? What do you mean? Yeah. No, 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 sorry, I've gone back as a child. I've gone back as an adult. Yeah. But I, you could you could fit in, I reckon, until about 1910. I think you, you could go back. I think any further back than that and you would be 1910? Weird. You reckon you could fit in in 1911? The 1920s were a swing in time. No, they weren't. They were a swing in time for about 300 people, Chris. <laughs> When in, when in South Wales and the north of England was like, yeah, this is great. <laughs> now, uh, Chris, I, I appreciate your angle there of you having this sort of uh, impenetrable suit. Personally, I think you just need to go back as yourself and, and run the risk. That's my take on the oh, time no. machine. But um, I, th- there's one thing that has been raised here um, by Darren, which weirdly I was talking to my wife about last night, was this idea of this knowledge. I think I have such a fundamental lack of understanding of how to do any of the big inventions that even if I did go back you know prehistoric times whatever and they were like okay so here's how you how here's how you make iron I'd start and I go you first and I'd sort of like trail off and I realized I actually don't know basically I can make fire that's rubbing sticks together but nothing else you like, could not make fire that do not put that on your CV I, but no, I know, no. I, give give me give me two months I'd come up I'd be able to make you some fire <laughs> so you'll have to eat berries and fruit until I've done that. To probably catch a chicken up as, as we're getting towards the end of the two months, and we'll cook that. I mean, it is it is a Richard Curtis film, and obviously it's also mentioned in. Um, it's also referenced at the end of Back to the Future, but if you went back to 1960 and wrote a load of Beatles songs. That would be because yeah. they're they're quite easy to play Beatles songs. The good night sweetheart <laughs> approach. <laughs> Nicholas Lindhurst goes back in time. He's in the pub, just banging out <laughs> hit after hit. 
Richard Richard Herring made such a funny observation about Goodnight Sweetheart, which for our younger listeners you might not remember. It was a it was a sitcom in the nineteen nineties starring Nicholas Lindhurst, much loved Nicholas Lindhurst. Obviously, he was super famous because of uh, Only Fools and Horses and playing Rodney, where he was an East Londoner who had a portal back to the Second World War, so he would drink in his local pub on a Monday night, but on a Tuesday night, drink in his local pub, but it would be nineteen forty. And <laughs> you think he's got? When you think of all of the all of the possibilities that are available to him and are open to him, bearing in mind that he can time travel safely and predictably every time. Richard Herring said the paucity of his ambition. He goes back and he just shags the barmaid. <laughs> that's all he does. That's all he does. <laughs> Doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't occur to him to kill Hitler. <laughs> that is quite a big ask, to be fair. I, know. <laughs> I, I, I don't think it, 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 that hadn't occurred to people in the uh, <laughs> during World War Two the idea of killing Hitler. I think it was just probably quite quite a big ask. <laughs> Ellis took time travels back to the pub in 1942. Guys, have you guys thought about killing Hitler? What are you all doing? Why are you all sat around now? It's so obvious what needs to happen here. That's the classic thing, isn't it? When 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 uh, when time travel crops up as a topic of conversation, people say, "Oh well, obviously I'd 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 go back to nineteen uh, twenties Germany. I'd I'd bump Adolf off. That's what I would do." But that thought never occurred to anyone at the time. Right? Uh, oh, shall I just briefly God. tell you what I do? I go back. I go back seven weeks and I'd relive these last seven episodes with you guys. It's been an absolute delight. There you go. There's a nice sort of closing. Yeah. <laughs> Are you dying? <laughs> you pulled it back after your Jesus impression. <laughs> so, guys, if you have any further one day time machine suggestions, do get in contact. If you want to try, you know, the, the pandemic has been saved by Joe. She sorted that. We can't do that. Well, we um, well, Stephen's tried to find out who who killed John F. Kennedy and has, and has been implicated yeah. himself. But anything you want to send us, send us as many details as you can as well. What are you wearing? What's the accent? Whatever. Or do what Ellis does: go back and kill Hitler, Mussolini, and just sort it all. Just get it all done. Just get it all sorted in a weekend. Pol Pot, Pol Pot, get all sorted. If you want to get in contact with the show, here is how. All right, you horrible lot. Here's how you can stay in touch with the show. You can email us at hello at ohwhatatime.com and you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ohwhatatimepod. Now, clear off. All right, so on this week's show, I'll be taking a look at child rearing in Sparta. I am looking at uh, medical care for kids in the pre calpol and Piriton age. And I am looking at incredible coming-of-age ceremonies throughout history. I thought we'd begin, as we always do, with a little quotation. This comes courtesy of George Carlin. If your kid needs a role model and you ain't it, you're both fucked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, George, have you been watching me? Because I know that he, he, he died before I had kids. Yeah. But that's, that's creepy. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Creepily prescient, that. Oh, dear, dear, dear. What's, what sort of parent are you, Tom? What sort of parent am I? I am, I think I'm quite a sort of empathetic, kind, fun parent that lacks all of the sort of practical skills yeah. for uh, structuring a child's life. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So I, but I think I'm quite good at play. 
and that sort of yeah. stuff. And I'm good at listening if they've got a worry, but I will forget to send them to school with a pat lunch. I'm that sort of yes, yes. So they won't yes. eat. <laughs> or that time that you went to was it Duxford Hair Museum and you forgot to put shoes on your child? I think it was Hendon, the RAF museum, and, and we turned up and he didn't have any shoes on. Oh, but to God. be fair, he was he was in the back seat, and I hadn't looked back throughout the journey. It was an awful <laughs> moment because Claire, my wife, had basically organised everything that day, and it was my job to dress the children. And then, as we got them out in the car park, we noticed he had bare feet. Oh man! Did did you turn around to go home? Well, we then went to. Um, I, I had to go off a journey to find the nearest. You went to a shoe museum, and it was no, actually perfect. Which was next door. Can't believe it. <laughs> You had some 16th century clogs. Yeah, yeah. The gift shop's at the end, so you had to go all the way through it. Yeah. Then went to the gift shop at the Sock Museum. And actually, it worked out all right to the end. So, no, I went to, I went to, I had to find a, a nearby Clark's. I was thinking about Clark's the other day. When I was a kid, do you remember, do you ever go to Clark's and they had like this futuristic machine that'd measure your foot size? Me- yeah, measure the width of your feet. It sounds like you're having an MRI. <laughs> Like an MRI for feet. And this is like in the yeah. early 90s. What? Yeah, yeah. An, an electronic machine. Yeah. They've got rid of that now because I could, well, I took Charlie to Clark's recently. It's just like a hand controlled, you know, it's just sort of two bits of metal to see how long your foot is. Yeah, they've, they've gone back in, they've gone back in time. <laughs> they must have been listening to this podcast and thought, actually, the old ways. Are better and more accurate. Because every every branch of Clark's was renting that machine for five hundred grand a day, and it was not sustainable <laughs> as a business. <laughs> and NASA needed it back. It's like saying you'd see it Chernobyl. <laughs> so you put your foot in there. <laughs> as the as the machine closed in on your tiny little prepubescent foot, you were desperately hoping that it would stop when it reached your foot and not exactly. just keep going. <laughs> Every five hundred for every five hundredth child would lose a foot, but Clark said it was worth it. It was worth it for the optics of having that through the shop window. And, and they, they they got a, they got free shoes for life. But they, of course, they didn't have any feet, so they were useless. I can genuinely say, uh, knowing the nervous child I was, that would have petrified me. I would have been scared of that. To be honest, I would that would have worried me. It's so unnecessary as well. It doesn't yeah, need to be. Yeah, you yeah. just get just. Like a little measuring tape. What does it need this huge machine for? That said, I don't really trust the pushing on the end of the shoe technique that people do in shoe shots. No, I do, I do it. It's never worked. Yeah. <laughs> and they'll do it uh, with my children's shoes, and I'll go, oh, yeah, that, that seems great. And then yeah. we'll get home and realise that they're like 15 sizes too big. <laughs> this is what I do as well. Where, where, where my children have new shoes bought for them. Could you just uh, walk around the shop so I can have a look at how oh, they... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That looks good, actually. That, look, that looks like a well-fitted shoe I to even me. Encourage, I encourage them to do some jumps as well. <laughs> <laughs> if, you could, um, if you could get down on your knees, sort of like you're at the starting block in the Olympics of 100 bit final, <laughs> and your marks, get set, and go. Quick 10-metre burst so I can see how quick you are over the so first 10 metres or so for if you're playing football. I link up my my Spotify with the shop audio I put on Riverdance. We do that for about, <laughs> for about two minutes. But, yeah. But, OK, that, well, that, that's amazing. So that, that's the sort of parent I am. Ellis, what sort of parent are you? Completely lacking in authority. OK, great. <laughs> and what about you, Chris? What are you like as a parent? I want to say chilled-out entertainer. OK. Yeah. <laughs> Handsome. Do you know, coming into this episode, I've been thinking a lot about, you know, I'm so glad I'm a dad at this time. Yes. Like I was When we were giving birth to our two kids, like in the hospital, of all these machines and these doctors and hundreds of years of medical expertise, I was, thinking, I was like, how did cavemen do this? How yeah. on earth did people have, give birth? 
Can I pick up on one thing, Chris, by the way? You use the phrase, when we gave birth. It's not a phrase I've, I've used or, or heard, but I, I like it. It's nice, but it's not. Does that make me a modern man to say we? We did it together? <laughs> no. Or am I taking the credit where it's not due? I think it means you're taking the piss, mate. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimise how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So I've been looking at the Spartans. What, what? When you think of Spartans, all I think of them, double hard bastards, just infamously yeah. tough, yeah, absolutely warrior nation. But well, I never knew how they did it until now. Right. So do you know Sparta had a grueling system of state education known as agoge, a system by which boys boys are raised by the state, extremely disciplined, compulsory mode of bringing up bringing uh, bringing up children, and it was unique to Sparta. So this is how it works: if you're if you're born female, you're kind of expected to spend your life at home. You will become a, a housewife eventually. If you're a boy, seventh birthday, blow out your candles, you're off. You leave maternal supervision, you're turned over to civic officials, and your military training and character formation begins. Right. Uh, straight off, I'm not going to thrive in this system. <laughs> <laughs> so they also, like, the education, a lot of focus was given to kind of physical education and developing strength through sports. So hunting was a big part of it. Athletics was a big part of it. Um, and you, but you're doing real military training like throughout your youth, including gymnastics, but you're getting taught how to move with others in formation, how to handle arms, how to fence, how to throw a javelin, and you're in this until you're 30 years old. Do you know what it made me think of? No like, way. Tiger, remember Tiger, you've seen Tiger Woods' documentary. I, I can't remember how I know this, but his dad basically got him playing golf at like four. And hit like, yeah, yeah. No, he was younger than that. It's inc- absolutely incredible. You see, I've seen that clips of him, tiny kid, toddler, smashing these golf balls around. Yeah, playing golf at three. I mean, there are <laughs> clips of him. There's clips of him beating other people at, at the age of three. And it's like this culture, Sparta, like doing this to all the kids. They're turning them all into like elite warriors. It's like it's such a massive part of the society. No wonder they're all they're so hard. The awesome. whole society was geared towards it. Can you imagine? Like, if it kicked off in a pub on a Saturday night, but if everyone's a Spartan who's been through that military training, it'd be absolute carnage. But if... Imagine being the bouncer on that pub. Oh, my you're like, God. You're just watching all the, Spart- all the Spartans filing in, getting steaming, and you're like... Yeah, you're looking down at your lanyard and your walkie-talkie thinking, how much does this really get me, though? 
<laughs> Do you know what? The, the, the other thing they did was like it began, although you, you, you leave at seven, it starts, the training process essentially starts as soon as you're born. You have to cut your own umbilical cord, don't you? <laughs> well, they left their limbs and bodies entirely exposed. They, they taught them not to be scared of the dark, not to mind being left alone and to restrain themselves from tears, screaming fits and tantrums of any sort. You're basically fending for yourself. From day it one. doesn't sound like a laugh. <laughs> it? Just imagine how hard you'd be coming yeah. out when you hit 30. I'm going to say, I genuinely think a four-year-old from Sparta could beat any of us. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder at what age a Spartan child would be able to kill all of us. I think I could have a 10-year-old. Do you know what I mean? I think even if they're really well trained. No, no, absolutely. That is nonsense. What? You think a 10-year-old no. Spartan? Uh, he would have an absolutely meal of you. He'd know the, <laughs> the points to go for. He's had three years of military training by this point. What did you? What, 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 what training have you had? Have you done any martial arts or anything like that? <laughs> so, no. so it's a Spartan versus a podcaster. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Fight! <laughs> A 10-year-old Spartan. A 10-year-old Spartan. No, no chance. He would kill you, Chris, and it would also... He'd he'd make... It would be humiliating as well. He'd do it in a... He'd just let it... He'd draw it out, like you'd chop off your ear, and then 10 minutes later, you'd take off your other ear. No, do you know what he'd do? He'd kill you, and then he'd pull... As he was was killing you, he'd pull your trousers and pants down. (laughs) And and Ellis and And I, we stood there laughing, saying, we told you so. We knew this would happen. Oh, it'd be awful. Do you know the the other thing they did was like, they they would group you into gangs of boys. They would have group fights, like, regularly. Contests held between groups of boys. And they said the, the, the lads would oh, no. fight and kick and bit, bite those on the opposition sides and quite often tear each other's eyes out. No. It's vicious. I think you have to have a situation where something somebody needs to be calling stop as soon as someone's going for an eye you can't let that play out and the eye come out can you another th- interesting thing they did was like they accustomed them with stealing but really punished them for getting caught with blows they essentially there's a uh, a contemporary source called Xenophon who says they trained the boys like this because they wanted them to be more devious at procuring supplies and being warlike is it interesting? There's um, like stealing is seen as a really valued quality in Sparta, uh, right. and and it's kind of captured. There's a famous tale they would tell of the boy and the fox cub, and it's a story about a boy who allowed a stolen fox cub he was hiding underneath his clothes to devour him rather than cry out and reveal the theft. That makes sense. So he's stolen a fox cub. And the fox cub starts eating him. We were all at school. We were all at school with mud kids. <laughs> <laughs> and the fox is going at him like he was a bin. Yeah, we just and the like fox nibbling. eats him till he's dead. And rather than cry out and reveal that he'd stolen a fox. Wow. So they must. Have, so that that means that when he died, when did they find the fox? <laughs> that yeah. must have been a surprise. They're gonna, they're gonna find the fox when you're dead, mate. I imagine the doctor saying, can I shock you? Is the, uh, the cause of death is fox. And then lifts yeah. up the coat and there's a fox there looking awkward. <laughs> so you, you live, until the age of 30, you live in barracks with 15 or so comrades. And at 30, and, and by the way, if you get married, you're not allowed to live with your wife. It doesn't matter. You can only visit her for purposes of procreation. Yeah. Um, but after 30, you can move back in with your wife. You can move in with your wife. Oh, that's nice. But also, you're expected to have your main meal of the day with your fellow comrades. 
in the barracks. I'd say, though, by the time you're moving back in with your wife, you're a little bit <laughs> scarred by the last 30 years. <laughs> a, little bit, a little bit weird and damaged. Yeah. yeah. I, I can't imagine you're like a really chilled out guy. Yeah, diff- difficult to live with, probably. <laughs> oh, good. My severely affected husband, who's been beaten and forced to rip out the eyes of his friends for the last 30 years, is coming to live with me. Good, good. <laughs> I'm going to uh, discuss uh, parenting in England, something I know almost nothing about, because uh, we parent in the Welsh way, but we're in England, which means that my uh, children have been raised with a very, very different set of uh, cultural values. So um, the widely acknowledged to be the first book written specifically regarding like, paediatric medicine was The Book of Children by Thomas Farr, written in 1544. And the book claims to be scientific, but it's got some really, really peculiar suggestions. So it covers most of the common conditions that children suffered from aches or colds to parasitic worms. Dealing with lice, I mean, obviously, you know, the, the knit nurse, still a big part of every primary school, that they were endemic <laughs> in early modern society. Yep. Far advises the afflicted to avoid certain foods. They are not to eat figs and dates and to wash in salty water or brine. Um, now, I've <laughs> washed my children's hair in tea gel. Uh, because I thought that they had net knits. That was difficult enough. Persuading my kids to wash themselves in salty water or brine. Child is urged to wear a cloth around the waist that has first been soaked in pig's grease and quicksilver or mercury. Far can oh, confidently state that oh, lies cannot bear the smell of quicksilver. Oh, you, you. I think we can, it's, it's safe to assume that this was prior to the invention of the knit comb as well, do we think? Yes, yes, <laughs> I'm so much so. Yeah, by about 500 years. Yeah. I imagine, though, in my mind, I imagine everyone in 1544 had nits. Which would have been a complete bollock. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Oh, God. Being itchy all the time would have been a nightmare. Oh, I'm itchy now. I actually, I read in the news yesterday, they found the body of a man for, who died 30,000 years ago, and they were able to, I can't even remember how, they were able to work out, I think they were, they were able to work out what his diet was, so they were able to look at his intestines, and they found that he was absolutely riddled with parasitic worms in his intestines. Yes, I read this. And and that actually that might have been quite common at the time. And I just thought, if you've got parasitic worms and you're like, you probably even know you've got them, there is nothing you can do about it. Absolutely nothing. There is no Lloyd's Pharmacy. (laughs) You know what? The torture of that. I think... Do we need to bring that up? Do we need to let everyone know that he had parasitic worms? Or can't just let, let, let that truth die with him? <laughs> I'm worried about he's going to be embarrassed. <laughs> so he's dug up in 500 years. And someone said, not? oh, by the way, Tom had nits. Don't, yeah. don't bring this. As he was dying, he probably thought, this is the end of the nightmare. No one is ever going to know that the hell. Are. Thank God it's over 500 years they, later. Look at this idiot. Could they not have said... He might have had parasitic worms. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, completely. Uh, Farr's book opens by focusing on breastfeeding. First, he shares remedies appropriate to the increasing of milk in the breasts, including three simple soups. Uh, first, includes pastip and fennel in chicken broth. Women who couldn't find the fresh produce necessary for that recipe could make a broth with mint, cinnamon and mace. And if none of those spices are available, uh, women could always turn to a beef tongue broth with dried and powdered earthworms. Oh, dear. Oh, oh, no. It's so oh, close to being right. God. Isn't it? It's the sort of thing oh. Roald Dahl would come up with, isn't it? It is. It's one of those sort of straight from the twits. Yeah, that is like that is such the cuisine of the time, isn't it? That is yeah. bang on what I would expect a cure would be. 
Farr also recommends many individual ingredients thought to improve milk production, among them dill, anise, fresh cheese, honey, goat's milk, lettuce, saffron and cow dung. Sheep dung, also fine. He's so close so many times. If he just ended on saffron, my, um, I remember once my daughter, the UTI, when she was very little, we had to take her to A&E because she was really ill. And they thought she was a UTI, but they needed to do a urine sample. Talking about the kind of parents we are. Yeah. And this is when she was still in nappies, so it was easier said than done. So in the end, they said, listen, just make a drink, sit her on your lap, and then when she starts to wee, catch it. So that's right. what we did. So we had to sit in A&E with her with a sort of you know, with a nap, nappy off. <laughs> Wait for it to wee on my jeans. Anyway, a couple of hours later, it worked. We caught the urine. Guess who knocked the cup over? Guess who knocked the cup Guess who knocked the cup over? Guess who knocked over the cup? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You should have seen Izzy's face. Probably my lowest moment, I think. Was it salvageable? Was it, was it just we, all over the floor? Up, we ended up, I salvaged about, through my quick reflexes, yeah. uh, salvaged about five mil, which was, which was uh, just about enough. But yeah, probably my lowest moment. Um, if Izzy had been asleep, would part of you have been tempted to sneak off and replace it with apple juice or something like that? Yeah, or my own piss. Or your own piss. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She, she, like, she hasn't got UTI, but she, she drink a lot of alcohol. <laughs> Espresso martinis. (laughs) This is incredible. Whether the cause is eating, sleeping, uh, winding or teething, most of Far's remedies are directed at stopping a child's crying. His entry for bloodshot eyes, a condition which Far says comes uh, about from too much crying, is one such example. When the eye is bloodshotten and red, it is a singular remedy to put into the blood of a young pigeon or a dove or a partridge. Either either bought from the bird or else dried and made in powder, as subtle as may be possible. Can you put uh, the blood of a pigeon or a dove or a partridge into a powder and then subtly put that into your child's <laughs> eyes? Can you be subtle about it? That's the question I would ask. It doesn't sound like a subtle solution to, a, to, to, to what is quite a small problem. Oh, God. I mean... It's, 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 like, even cowpole with those syringes is tough. You know, yeah. the blood of a pigeon during the pandemic, when you would have to go and take your child down to be tested, those swabs and all this sort of thing. Oh, I mean, yeah, the yeah. understandable and angry reaction from your children because they have no idea what's going on and why you have to do it. Yeah, the idea of dropping something into your child's eye, which has got I mean, it's impossible, and also the flavors of these things as well. Like, I can't encourage my children to eat, you know, peas or whatever. It's yes, let alone something which can, has the taste of dung, the residual taste of cow dung in it. <laughs> <laughs> like, how are they doing this? My mate pointed something out to me that, that I think is quite um, astute. Because children can often like quite strong-tasting stuff if it's on toast. Marmite, probably the best example. Mm. And yet they often dislike some things that, to, to my mind, taste fairly inoffensive. And I think it's textures that put them off and not taste. And so I think maybe cow dung has got an absolutely lovely texture. <laughs> And kids are like, do you know what? Yeah, it makes it makes makes me wince a bit, but that texture mm, like Hagen Dazs. Mm, mm. mm. <laughs> Cradle cap, bathe in bull's urine. Right. Um, 
I'd rather just have the cradle cap. Yes. Yeah. It's not that bad. Teething. No, teething. Oh, no. What? Bearing in mind it's the year 2023. Three of us have got young children. It is yep. incredible to me that teething still has such an effect on a baby. My two-year-old it, is teething terribly at the moment. and It messes them up. Yeah, he's awake a lot. It yeah. messes so them crazy, up. isn't it? The most highly recommended treatment. And when your child is teething and you've been up all night and you've got to work the next day and you're just desperate for a solution, you will you will do most things if someone has told you, oh, yeah, this will work. So back in the sort of 16, 1500s, the most highly recommended treatment, anoint the gums of the baby with the brains of a hare. Mixed with equal parts capon grease and honey. The hair is used because it has big teeth. So it's sort of <laughs> I see what he's done I see what he's done there. I, I can see, see the arithmetic. <laughs> he doesn't need to show me his working. Why the brain? Does he does it because he thinks oh well the hair's ability to control pain is in the brain and then if you rub the brain on the teeth uh, it doesn't make any sense, does it? So you're killing a hair, you're scooping out its brains. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're mixing it with stuff and then you're rubbing that on your child's teeth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And your child is going, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Done for supper and now yeah. this. And also, books don't exist, so there's no bedtime story. Hiccups. Far, uh, far explains that the cause is eating too much too fast. The, che- the treatment is to make the child throw up with a feather. <laughs> <laughs> That's the worst one. That is the worst one. What are you do? You sticking the feather down their throat? Can I just ask? Do we think that tickling the back of the throat till they vomit, or just tickling them so much on the foot, for example, that they're just not stopping for four minutes until they vomit? What, what's the use of a the feather? There? I hope it's the foot because I... even now, if my daughter picks up a feather, I'm like, don't. That's ingrained in me. Is one of the key, the key things you need to know as a parent is don't let kids play with feathers because they're dirty. They cover viruses. Yeah. The idea of sticking that in your throat. Like, I don't even like holding a feather. Whacking that down your throat is absolutely gruesome. Well, I'd actually say that Sam has saved the best for life. Piss in the bed. To treat bed wetting, avoid all fatty foods until the virtue of the bladder is restored. In addition, add the following as a powder to all food and drink. Uh, The windpipe or throat of a rooster or the claws of a goat. (laughs) Either or. or. (laughs) Just take your pick. Whatever's easiest. A goat doesn't. A goat doesn't have claws. A goat. A, a goat has uh, cloven hooves. <laughs> well, uh, I don't sh- sh- sharpen the hoof. <laughs> okay, there we are. <laughs> so, I, uh, by contrast, I'm actually going to talk to you guys about the point where children, sort of parents, sorry, relinquish some of the control over there their children and i'm going to talk to you about coming of age ceremonies so there's a couple of coming of age ceremonies that i've been reading up about that i would uh, like to sort of take you through what is the coming of age ceremony in our you know in our culture what would it be it's like your 18th really isn't it your 18th birthday or you go to the pub yeah learning to drive yes i think probably it's quite a big thing which is something i fail to do i've still failed five times and i haven't i haven't managed to do i think if you can i just say if if you fail five driving tests, I don't mm. think you should be allowed to take another. Do you know what I mean? You're, you've established yourself. I think if you fail five times, if you pass on the sick, that makes me uncomfortable. Do you genuinely think that I should be not allowed now? You should be banned. It's yes. a fundamental problem. Yes. You can't keep going back until you get one driving inspector who's maybe just, you know, having an off day yeah. and that you accidentally pass issue. 
Because that's what you're doing. You're basically, you're just rolling the dice. You're just waiting for your number to come up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Roundabouts was my big problem. That's where uh, 80% of my failures were. Roundabouts. Just the 80%. 80%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you doing? How can you get that wrong? You're going around the wrong way. What? I fundamentally never I never got my head around what was what I was supposed to do give way to so give, would, way, give way to the right give well like, that's the, the easy of you to say remember give way but, to the uh, right that's pretty much all of it yeah so I would head towards them with absolute blind panic and basically be oh reliant on there not being anyone else on the roundabout yeah if Obvi- there was no one else on the roundabout then I was going to pass that test but unfortunately every time I went towards the roundabout there was someone on the roundabout one of my mates um had a car crash on his first driving test coming out of the car park to begin the test he was oh. coming out of the car park and crashed into a car I was driving along the road. The instant failure, 30 seconds into the test, a crash. I can beat that, actually. When I went for one of my tests, the person before me, when you're supposed to pull out of the bay, rather than pulling forward, obviously had it in reverse, and just went immediately reverse and got the back of the car stuck up at an angle on the bank behind it. And then the wheels were spinning, but the back wheels weren't down. She couldn't get it moving again. And they just both got off, got out of the car and returned to the test centre. But neither said anything. It was just like such a f- look of absolute, oh, yeah, well, that's happened on her face. Complete acceptance. So that was in four seconds. Do they carry on with the test? Do they carry on with the test? Uh, no, that was it. That was it. Yeah. One of my tests actually didn't even happen because I didn't know how to pop the bonnet. So at the beginning, when you were asked to explain the bits of the engine, my mum had never told me how you open the bonnet of the car. So I couldn't get at it. So I tried to explain. I said, oh, well, I think the dip thing's in the middle somewhere. He was like, no, I can't. You need to show me. That's not good enough. So that test didn't even happen because I had no uh, idea whether... My mum was in Sainsbury. She didn't know we were getting hold of her. She, you know, before mobile phones, or before I had one at least. Why so did they want to look under in. the bonnet? Why did they want to look under the bonnet? I don't know. Well, the tests began. You had to show that you understood the part oh. of the engine. So it would be like where the dip bit is, how you replace the oil, all this sort of stuff. I don't didn't think do I had it. That. I had no I had idea that. how to open it. I tried pulling on it and all this sort of stuff. It just didn't work. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But that's an old me. That's the old me. I'd be now. I'd be now. I'd nail it probably. Yeah. Well, you know, you've had your first pint. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, exactly. And you've had your first job, which I think are two big ones. Two uh, children. You got, you got. You got two children. So I think we can tick that particular coming of age <laughs> off the big list. time. <laughs> so, uh, but I, I'm glad that my. Uh, the thing I had to get past was, you know, I may have failed, but at least it was only a driving test. Because in other areas of the world and throughout history, coming of age ceremonies, coming of age um, things, obstacles are much tougher. The first one I'm going to talk to you about is in a place called Vanuatu, which is a small island nation in the middle of the South Pacific. Now, they have a very particular coming of age ceremony there, which they've been doing for centuries. And it's called uh, Naghol, or which is known, uh, which is uh, uh, also known as land diving which is where you show bravery and you sort of prove your acceptance you're, you're, that you're ready for manhood. So the first question I want to ask is, how are you guys with, with heights? How are you with heights? Oh, awful, 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 okay. awful, 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 awful. I, can't, I cannot, it's my, I'm not scared of spiders. Bring them on. I put a spider in my mouth. I don't care. I, 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 in fact, I sort of don't understand why people are scared of spiders. Not a problem. Mice, not a problem. In fact, I would say most of the things I'm meant to be scared of, not scared of them. Heights, my daughter was on a climbing frame yesterday in the beautiful picturesque town of Hartford, and she got onto about the third step, and I immediately got a stomachache. So it's like, <laughs> she's, she's too high up, man. I can't, I can't go up ladders. You spat the spider from your mouth, you ran over, and you said, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> go, go ape. 
was honestly the biggest test of my moral fibre. It, it was horrific. I don't mind going eight, but I've never jumped off the top diving board at the swimming centre. No. You know, there's, no, no, I've no, been no, up no, there no. and bottled it several times. I can tell you that this uh, certain coming of age ceremony would not be for you then, because uh, this is jumping from a high height, but not into a pool, but head first into the ground, okay? Yes. What? So what would happen, and what does still happen in this uh, community is... They will build 98-foot wooden towers out of uh, branches and uh, logs that they've kind of collected over the months before the ceremony. Uh, And then they climb to the top and they tie bungee-like vines around their ankles. And then they have to throw themselves off there uh, and hope that the vine is the correct length and will stop them from hitting the ground, basically. Um... Only natural fibres and branches are used, so they literally are just getting everything from the forest. They're creating their own vines. And um, the aim is, uh, the way it's described, is to get as close to the ground as possible, ideally brushing the earth with your head or shoulders. Oh, my God. Right. Um, Common trope in American stand-up. Yeah. Imagine being the first guy to do that. (laughs) (laughs) What a maniac. (laughs) An absolute maniac. Absolutely. And And who was enabling him? Well, I can tell you who's enabling them from an early age, because from the age of seven and eight, you start from smaller towers. So from the age of seven, you are permitted to jump from smaller towers, and then you get higher and higher and higher as you get older. When it gets to the point where it's your it's your key moment to pass into adulthood, it would be up to the parent would stand there with you, and when you jump, they throw away something from your childhood to show that you've moved on from your part, that part of your life. This is a big ceremony. So, which... I, as a parent... Wait, copy the Gruffalo. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. As a parent, I would use that as an opportunity to start decluttering the house, something I've really wanted yeah. to get rid of for yeah. ages. That, that, toy not, kit, not... that toy kitchen you never use. Yeah, he's not going to read a squash and a squeeze again. Off it goes. <laughs> Charlie's got this poor patrol fire engine, which I trip over about seven times a day, and it makes more noise than an actual fire engine when you press a button on the front. That'll yeah. be going. That'll That's be going straight off. Do you have to be regarded as a man? Do you have to pass into adulthood? Can you not be a sort of men-behaving-badly-style lad who uh, (laughs) are in a constant state of arrested development? Could I not be Martin Clunes in this? this (laughs) Could I not be a South Sea Island Martin Clunes? Just drinking drinking Stella. (laughs) Marlboro Light. Exactly. But it's also bound into one other thing. The reason they do it as well is because it's directly connected, they believe with the cycle of yams and harvesting yams so yam being the root vegetable and it's to ensure that you have a good yam harvest which i think so it must be quite annoying if you're not that into yams as a uh... (laughs) yeah if you don't love yams this is a waste of time yeah absolutely it's like i don't like pears i wouldn't i wouldn't jump off a 98 foot tower for um for, for even food I do like. Like, I like pasta. I probably wouldn't jump off. That's exactly... 98-foot tower for, some, for a bowl of pasta. <laughs> However, if you get long enough spaghetti, it makes the perfect bungee rope. <laughs> the, uh, but uh, you'd be encouraging the community, surely, to start looking into, sort of diversifying into other food stuff. Yeah. That would be my first thing. Deliveroo. Yeah, exactly. Let's just... Can we just not worry about yams anymore? <laughs> And the other thing about this is supposed to be health-bringing, that's what they say, is that basically it means a good jump will mean that you avoid diseases in the future. But people die from it, don't they? Yeah, well, that's very true. So a bad bad jump also means you avoid avoid diseases in the future, to be fair. (laughs) Good God. 
if your child has crumpled down to four inches tall, oh. and and it's the next season, and you're eating a yam, are you thinking, <laughs> well, it was worth it? Yeah. Or are you thinking, I, I must admit, I regret this. <laughs> but there is another coming of age ceremony I think is it was even harder. I think the Aztecs basically human sacrifice was kind of really important to the Aztecs. Sort of spilling blood meant that their gods provide them with sort of a rich harvest. It was all sort of bound up in that and um, appeasing the gods, the sun gods, and all this sort of stuff. So sacrifice was very much their their go to thing, but it was also bound up with being a becoming a man, becoming an adult, and becoming a warrior for young Aztecs as well. And the way that that happened was, according to tradition, as a teenager in Aztec society, you would have to go out into battle and not only not kill someone. You weren't you weren't supposed to kill someone. You had to take someone captive and then bring them back to your city. So you weren't allowed to kill them. You had to, which I think I think it feels harder to take someone captive than to kill them. Surely, who you who you picking? Are you trying to pick like a little old lady? <laughs> I think it had you'd... to be someone you were fighting. I don't think it could be like, yeah, it couldn't be Maureen who's seventy two or whatever. Yeah, it had yeah. to be. You imagine coming back to the town with, Ma- I've got Maureen here. <laughs> yeah, will that do? What have you? No, bring Maureen back. I'm sorry, it's taken me so so long to get back here, but she's very slow. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah it, it, had, it had to be someone you were fighting. So, and you would take them prison prisoner. You bring them back to the steps of the of the temple, and then the priests would. Uh, Cut the victim open, remove their heart, hold oh, it up to the sun, man. and then toss the body down the steps. Oh, yo, yo. That instantly, that instantly um, scuppers the idea of there being some sort of reciprocal arrangement with the person that you're yeah. trying yeah. to keep captive. The idea mm. being. So you could say, listen, mate, I've got to. I've got to take someone hostage, okay, to sort of. It's a rite of passage thing in my culture. If I could just take you hostage for a day. And then I'll, I'll split the money with you. Weird, yeah, I'll split. If you do any weird <laughs> stuff as well, I'll I'll be your guy. If you be my guy, and <laughs> yeah. um, I may or may not have to rip your heart out. If I was a prisoner, I'd spend the entire journey back trying to convince them that adulthood really isn't all it's cracked yeah. up. To be. <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. pills. <laughs> Every letter is a pill. <laughs> the big shop. Yeah, yeah, that's boring. Car insurance. I never play anymore. I used exactly, to love yeah. playing. I'm drawn on for ages. I used to love drawing. I never write you stories. Convince them. Your your hope is to convince them that you run away together and just live a really chilled out life. You know, you, you know, your mum and dad put your school uniform on the radiator. Well, guess what? I'm the one putting it on the radiator. No one puts my uniform on the radiator. Don't even wear a uniform. It's rubbish. So you get brought back. Your heart will be ripped out. Your body oh, will be chucked God. out. The uh, the thing. And then, only then would you be considered a man with the person who caught you, basically. That would be the moment. At the moment, the body was chucked down the steps oh. would be the point that you'd be considered a man. Um, another piece I read on... national yeah, insurance number and your driver's <laughs> licence. <laughs> you fail five times. Yeah. And you leave it. Great. JF44... <laughs> 6509B. That's really thank you, thank you very much, Tom. <laughs> One thing that I read on this, which did, did make me laugh, it said that the rituals were hotly anticipated. Family and friends would gather round, and it really brought everyone together. <laughs> <laughs> what a nice family event that is! Gathering everyone round. And you, you, you know, like after the event, they're, they're going to be your family, like your mum asking, like, so where did you catch him? Where did you did he did he put up much yeah. of a fight? <laughs> Which of those two do you think you're going for? Are you going for the Aztec um, catch a you know catch someone or the jump off the 98 foot wooden pile? Which do you think is the 
the coming of age ceremony you choose. I find, I think the Aztecs <sighs> would be a laugh. Feels like a Channel 4 show, doesn't it? Like, go capture yeah. someone, bring them back. Have I, uh, has that been commissioned? Should we, should we pitch that? <laughs> oh, Dave are doing it. <laughs> What about everything we've heard so far? Then what? What's the best? I th- I think at least with Thomas Farr's, um, you know, the book of parenting. So it's the book of children by Thomas Farr, written in fifteen forty four. His solutions and his advice is bad and grim and disgusting and gruesome, but it does ultimately come from a good place. Yeah. Whereas the Spartan stuff sounds horrendous, and Land diving sounds terrifying, and I don't want to hold anyone hostage and keep them captive and have them murdered so I can get a national insurance number. Yeah, I agree. I think that I think I think as horrific as it is, at least it was coming from a place of trying to do good. Exactly. I'm not saying I want hair brains rubbed onto my gums as I'm teething. Absolutely. But, um, but you know, at least they thought it's maybe in a hundred years' time, Calpol will be discredited. And people are like, oh my god, I can't believe they were doing this. Yeah. They used to put cowpole in their mouths. Oh, cowpole! I would also say, though, of course, that this, uh, this island nation, the Vanuatu, the, 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 the high diving comes from a point of, you know, wanting to. It's health benefits, the crops, all these things are so important. Yeah. It and all if you stems su- from. And if uh, you survive, it must be an incredible yeah, rush. What a feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What an adrenaline yeah. buzz. But I actually think I prefer the Spartans. I think the Spartans, it's fine, you know. Okay, it's a bit barbaric, but at least it's, it's all managed for you. Do you know what I mean? It's, I feel like you might come out of that all right. Whereas the Vanuatu, you're getting your head caved in. So it's a sort of national service aspect that you quite like. The fact that you'd be, it's structured environment. It's almost out, it's almost out, of, your, ha- it's almost out of your hands, you know? <laughs> fine. And you're getting an education. Who, who doesn't want to be good at fighting? Yeah, being hard to be good. Yeah, yeah, that'd be a laugh. Let's chuck our answers into the ring then. Okay, I am going with Ellis. I think if I had to choose with any of those, I'm going for 1544. I'm going through that book. I'm finding a hair. I'm scooping its brains out and I'm running on my, rubbing it on my child's gums. That's, I, that's what I'm going for. It's not ideal, but that's what I'm going with. It would be a great bond with your... Uh, if you could survive it with your yeah. um, mates in the army barracks in uh, Sparta. But uh, I'm not sure I was ever cut out for Spartan training from the age of seven, so I'm going to say the English, yeah. And Chris, however, uh, thinks he's... <laughs> it's a, it, thinks he's Sylvester Stallone. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And the, the Spartans sort of missed out by not having yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's basically It's weird, because I'm kind of too scared for the harebrains, but I'm not... I'm more up for the fighting. Yeah. Have you ever had a fight in your life? Uh, Scouts Christmas Party, 1994, punch my best mate on the nose. Did you? So, and how did uh, that go? so I'm undefeated. <laughs> <laughs> and there we go. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode of Oh Water Time. Uh, and it's that time again, I'm afraid, where I'm going to ask you for your ratings and your reviews. Um, historically, I have always been uh, very bad at asking for this kind of thing. Uh, it always feels 
Satyan Kuth asking for your um, kind words, your five star ratings, etc. But it does help people find the podcast. And also, I've overstretched myself on the mortgage, so I kind of need this to work out. I'm slightly uncomfortable. It's like I talk in a cockney accent, so. Uh... Ellis, can I tell you something very briefly? We genuinely received an email this week, which I didn't read out, from a man called Paul Whiffin, which simply said. Accent. Please get Ellis to do his Cockney accent more. It's amazing. That's <laughs> true. Look, from a guy called Paul. You've just made Paul's day. <laughs> it's amazing. Put some eyes. Leave us a five-star review. Write nice things. And we'll see you next week. See you guys. Bye. Goodbye. Mmm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.